Good morning, welcome to the Scale Virtual Field Day. I'm Michael Sindelar. I'm a cropping systems extension educator uh, out of Clay Center. Uh, I'm talking about residue removal today and I'm uh, gonna tell and explain what kind of happens when you do aggressive residue removal to some of uh, the core, uh, physical properties in the field. So um, the experiment uh, I worked out of is here at the South Central Ag Lab. It's a joint project between the USDA, ARS, and uh, Nebraska, uh, the University of Nebraska. And uh, a lot of my research was also funded by the Nebraska Corn Board. Uh, the uh, experiment itself is irrigated uh, and we were trying to use cover crops to try to remediate some of the negative effects that was caused by uh, residue removal. I'm not going to really talk about a lot of the methods. I'm just going to start diving into a lot of the research we did. So some of the properties we looked at was uh, soil organic carbon, which is another way of saying soil organic matter. And that's the first property I'm going to talk about. So when you look at the slides, you see this nice big table. And as you look through it, the thing I really want to point out on this table is you look at all the different depths and you'll start seeing that there is actually an effect of residue removal. Every single time we removed residue, we reduced the amount of organic carbon when that residue was removed. And we're removing roughly about 57.6% of that residue out of the field. Um, the first thing I'm gonna point out in, in my next slide here, when we look at this, I'm kind of really focusing on just the first top two inches of the soil. Here we can actually see that cover crops did have an effect. When we, look, when we remove residues and we plant cover crop after we remove that residue, notice that those letters right at the end, those are the same. That means that there's no significant difference between those values. That's meaning that uh, when we plant a cover crop after removing this residue, um, it's, it's having an effect of either uh, of keeping that carbon at a higher level than when we look up above where we didn't use a cover crop. And we notice, you know, that value is a lot lower, significantly lower than any of the other values in the table. And now as we look at the, the next step on the next slide, we see that um, here, once again, we still have a cover crop effect down here in the two to four inch depth. Um, and it's, it's a little bit more defined, but you see the numbers are a lot closer. So we're having a little bit less of effect as we move deeper. However, at all the rest of the effects, cover crops really did not have an effect on soil organic carbon. What had the effect was removing carbon. So um, next we're gonna move right into looking at some of the things that affect erosion. So the first thing we're gonna look at is uh, mean weight diameter. And this is looking at uh, water stable aggregates, the mean weight diameter of water stable aggregates. And from here, uh, I forgot to convert to English units. So I'll, I'll do this for you as we talk through it. So zero to five inches, that's our zero to two inches. Uh, five to 10 is our two to four and 10 to 15 is our four to six inches. And when we look at this, our surface, we're definitely seeing a significant difference in our mean weight diameter size. So that means that we have larger stable aggregates when we leave residue in place. When we're aggressively removing it, our aggregates are becoming less stable. And one of the reasons why is if we go back to the previous slides or you remember those previous slides, uh, we're removing that carbon. And that carbon acts as a binding glue to keep the uh, aggregates together. Without that, they become uh, less stable. And we see that results here, especially in the zero to two. And even the two to four inch, where the five to 10 centimeter depth, we're seeing a nice significant difference in mean weight diameter. We'll move on, on to our next slide. Our next thing we looked at was plant available water. What is plant available water? It's the difference in the amount of water that soil is storing between fill capacity and permanent wilting point. So what I like to think about it is it's our storage tank for water that our plants can easily uh, use and take out of the field. This is really important here in Nebraska because 
not all parts of the states get a lot of water and we have to uh, um, irrigate to make up for water that we don't get through rain. So it's really nice to see um, this property not being affected. However, when we look at the slides, unfortunately we're seeing that residue removal is having an effect on plant available water. And the zero to two inch depth, uh, there is a significant difference in plant available water. And then the two to four, there's a significant difference. So our top four inches of soil, the amount of water that's being stored for plant use is decreasing. Now, when we look at four to six inches, we're not seeing any significant difference at that point. So we'll move on. You know, it's important that we store water. Now we're gonna look at water infiltration. Why is water infiltration important? Because it's important that we can recharge our water and make sure that what we're irrigating and the rain that comes, that it can actually get into the soil and doesn't go off as runoff. So when we look at the water infiltration, we look at um, our first few data points on the slide. They're really uh, stacked together really close. So our, our initial infiltration is not really in effect, but when we start getting out to our 60 minute point, we start seeing a significant difference in the amount of cumulative water infiltration. And this goes on till the end. So we're storing a lot more water um, in longer rain events. We're in slower rain events um, when we keep residue in place. However, when we remove that residue aggressively, we are um, not taking in as much water. So now we're not storing as much water and we're not recharging as much water when we remove that residue. Now we'll advance to our, our next slide. Um, we're kind of done out of the water area. We, you know, uh, what, what aggregate stability, that was our erosion factor. Um, plant available water was our storage tank and water infiltration was our recharge. So we're, we're done looking at kind of the effects with rain. What else is important? Well, what's really important is thinking about how soil warms and cools. So we're gonna talk about a few properties. The first one is thermal conductivity. Thermal conductivity is the, ability, the soil's ability to transfer so, uh, heat through the soil profile. Uh, specific heat capacity is the amount of energy it takes the soil to heat up. Um, and the energy we're really talking about is thermal or heat energy that's coming off the sun or solar radiation. And then so our last one is thermal diffusivity. That's our, our last one. And it's actually a ratio of thermal conductivity over specific heat capacity. Um, why are these important? Well, if your heat's not transferring soil uh, very well, it's not gonna heat up the surface is going to heat up really fast, but the deeper depths aren't going to heat up as nice. So you're not going to get that seeding depth and the rooting zones as warm as you want. You may not have as much microbial activity as you would. Specific heat capacity is important because as specific heat capacity increases, it's going to take a lot more energy for that soil to either um, increase or decrease. So that's also going to have effect on stuff. So when we look at the, the next slide, we're looking at uh, thermal conductivity and how we measured it, we measured at two different water uh, capacities. We measured it at um, fill capacity, so when the sat soil saturated, and then we measured it at permit wilting point. So we're looking to see when we remove residue, does it heat and cool faster or does that heat transfer differently when it's uh, completely saturated or very close to being completely saturated uh, versus when it's completely dried? For the first two depths, for the or for the zero to two inch depth, there is a significant difference. Um, when you remove residue, that heat doesn't transfer as well through the soil profile as when you leave the residue in place. And then for the two to four inch depth, it's very similar at, at both ones, uh, at fill capacity and at permanent wilting point. Heat does not transfer as well through the soil profile. The next thing we're looking at is specific heat uh, capacity. 
Uh, when you look at the zero to two inch depth, once again, we're seeing a significant difference um, at uh, field capacity and at permanent wilting point on the slides. And you notice really at permanent wilting point, there's quite, you know, that, that difference is a lot larger than um, at field capacity. And then when we look at the two to four inch depth, there, once again, we have a significant difference. So it's taking, when we leave residue in place, that soil takes a lot more energy to heat up. But here's the, the other thing, it takes a lot more, it has to lose a lot more energy to cool down. So that could be just as equally important in the fall and in the winter that it takes more energy for that soil to cool down, um, even though we need more energy for it to heat up. Uh, higher specific heat capacity, some people think that that can keep temperatures in the soil more stable. Um, when we look next, the, uh, the next property we would look at, uh, we don't have a slide for this, would be soil thermal diffusivity. Uh, there really wasn't a difference because uh, soil thermal diffusivity is a ratio, again, of thermal conductivity over specific heat capacity. And we had changes, very similar changes uh, between the two. So there was no difference uh, between treatments for diffusivity. So uh, why did this happen? Well, if you come out and you look at the plots where you look at this picture I have on the slide, you can see we're cutting those crown roots uh, like almost only uh, this tall. And when you cut the crown roots down that much, there's no uh, vertical residue to keep residue in place. So even though we're keeping 44% of the residue in place, wind and other uh, events move it off and then you know it also gets broken down. The plots are bare and empty by the time spring comes and it looks like we removed 100% of residue in the spring. So the summary of the impacts from this experiment, we do have data that another um, uh, researcher took from three years and we can, can compare it to six years kind of in a summary. So with the effect on water infiltration, there was none after three years. Water retention at three years, none. Uh, available, uh, the, the plant available water, our storage tank, there was no effect. However, at uh, wet aggregate stability, um, in the top inch, it was reduced after three years. And organic carbon in the top inch was reduced in one year. Now, when we look at the six year uh, results, water infiltration was reduced. Uh, water retention was reduced. Plant available water was reduced. Um, when we look at soil organic matter, it was reduced eight inches down through the soil depth. So our top eight inches has lost uh, soil organic carbon or organic matter when we remove residue very aggressively. And then when we look at water stable aggregates, that's been reduced down to six inches, uh, meaning that we're increasing or creating more potential for soil to be lost due to erosion. So what can you do after you lose the soil or you, you've degraded your soil because you, you, know, you started baling or you would like to bale, you need to use that residue for something? Well, we have some remedial practices that you can try. Cover crops, as you can see from some of the data showed that you know, cover crops did keep that organic matter in place. Another option for remedial practice is manure, but you know, there weren't a lot of effects of cover crops in the study, um, especially after three years. When we look at it, water infiltration, water retention, plant available water, wet aggregate stability, none of those in, at three years or at six years were affected by uh, cover crops. The only thing that was affected was organic carbon. Why was this? Well, um, at this experiment, we're trying to mimic a lot of what producers do um, out in the fields and trying to terminate cover crops early enough that it's not a hassle. So we're only getting maybe at most in a very good year, two inches of growth. So what does two inches of growth actually look like? Or what is that um, in tonnage? Well, that's about 0.36 tons per acre. 
what we're removing for a crop residue, we're removing about 2.9 tons per acre of crop residue. So think about it. We're trying to replace 2.9 tons of crop residue with 0.36 tons of cover crop residue. Those numbers don't add up. So that's why we're still losing uh, um, carbon from our system. And that's why those physical properties are degrading. So next, you know, when we looked at Sabrina's talk beforehand, they're both residue talks, two different experiments. They're at the same location. So this gives us a great opportunity to kind of look at uh, similarities and differences. So what was similar? Well, after six years, treatments that had over 50% of residue removed had a lower amount of organic matter compared to those treatments that left that organic matter or that residue in place. Well, aggregate stability, it decreased when we removed at least 50% of the residue in both of the studies. And then plant, uh, plant available water also decreased after residue removal. So some of the things that were different, that would be our thermal properties where my experiment had an effect on thermal properties. Um, and the previous speaker, Dr. Roos's experiment did not have an effect on uh, soil thermal properties. So that just means that we need a lot more research on thermal properties to kind of understand what's going on. And that could be a point of uh, further experimentation.